Hi, welcome to another episode of Feel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. I want to thank you for coming back. This is uh, season two, episode two. I'm here with my good friend Thomas. Hey, guys. And uh, we're going to talk about Kevin Smith, the Viewisk Universe, Clerks, uh, pretty much anything to do with that topic. Uh, we're going to kind of have a bit of a retrospective. Uh, we just finished watching uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Uh, which is the newest in the View Askew Universe uh, movies, the the chronicling of the adventures of Jay and Silent Bob, as portrayed by Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Um, I personally have seen the movie now four times. Yeah, four times. And uh, I love it. I thought it was great. It's, uh, well... We talk about fan service a lot with fandom, and uh, it's kind of a movie built around the entire idea of fan service. Mm. Uh, well, I think bringing something new to the genre as well, the, the genre that he created, the View Askew Universe. Uh, what say you, Tom? What do you think of the new movie? Yeah, it's definitely uh, 100% callback and throwback to all of his good movies in the 90s, all the rest of the View Askew Universe, and it's not like... Uh, I mean, it's weird because it's like fan service is usually defined as like uh, in their nod to like the fans, so that way they get this joke and this joke was for them, and like otherwise it doesn't it wouldn't like stick out that much. But like kind of like an Easter egg, an Easter egg, yeah, good point. And but this one is a hundred percent top to bottom, just callbacks and just inner nods, and so like I feel like it would be really hard to watch or understand if you weren't familiar with the other movies. Right, and and I think. Th- uh, that was both the genius and kind of the failing of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the, uh, where the movie stands on its own and also kind of falls a little bit is because yeah. uh, without having a working knowledge of what Jay and Silent Bob is, uh, you're, it's really not accessible to kind of the outside observer. Yeah. But on the other hand, given the release of this movie and how it was released and how it was made, uh, I don't really think it needs that. No, it's definitely made. F- this is we like we've said it before. Made for a certain audience, and this one certainly was. This was definitely made f- just for the fans, because um, I mean, there's jokes and lines that don't make sense in the movie, and it would only make sense if you had seen the other one. Like, right, and and <coughs> jokes and callbacks and like you say, but the fact of the matter is, is the way the movie was released, it wasn't released in a typical theatrical format mm-hmm. where it hits 300 or 1,000 or whatever screens. It was released uh, in a Fathom event with uh, a two-part, you know, you got to see Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, which was kind of the predecessor to this movie. And then you also got, there was a night where you could go and see uh, the reboot movie with uh, a Kevin Smith kind of intro uh yeah no interview segment and thing like that beforehand right uh and then after those two nights which were last october uh then they went and uh they kind of opened it up and released it more to i want to call it like a a tour yeah and and so they've been hitting different cities and in all around the world and they bring uh the movie to 
the audience that pays the money to see it, mm-hmm. uh, which the only people paying to see this movie and the live Q and A that follows are the diehard Kevin Smith fans. So yeah, I think that's a real smart model doing it more like as a touring concert kind of show system. Yeah. It's smaller. versus expecting people. I mean, you still expect your fans to go see it and support you, but it makes a lot more sense to have it in a small limited release in multiple places. To, so that way the fans can go around and, you know, make it an event to see it. And because you treat right. it as a special thing, which it is, it and gets and it the extends out. the it extends the life of the thing too, because it's not just something that's released for a month or two and then disappears right. out of the cinemas. It's something that he's been able to keep alive through October, November, December, yeah. now into January. We're towards the end of January, and he was actually downtown Olympia, mm-hmm. um, two weeks, five ago? days ago. Yeah, but uh, I th- I think it's smart because I don't I think otherwise people would have waited for it to hit their streaming service of choice you know yeah. i think people would have been like oh well this one's really not worth my money right wait till it hits netflix or right unless you're a diehard fan um which i am but like you know a lot of fans would still be like oh well you know no offense to mr smith but his last two movies weren't that great so yeah, what was surprised. the last movie tusk no there was that yoga one yoga hosers yoga hosers starring um, his daughter uh, harley quinn and which did gr- who, she did great in this movie and also it was uh, johnny depp's kid in that movie as well. Oh, weird. Yeah, it was very strange casting. I, I myself did not see Yoga Hosers. Uh, that's kind of a trilogy thing with Tusk. And they're making mm. another one. I don't know if he's still doing it, but there's another movie called Moose Jaws. Weird. Which is set in Canada, and it's basically exactly what you'd think Moose Jaws would be. It's like Jaws with Moose. Which yeah, I didn't. I, cause I didn't watch <laughs> Yoga Hosers either, just because I it tried so to watch Tusk and didn't get through it. And I was like, "Well, this one's got an even worse reputation." Yeah, I, I did. don't think I'm I watched watch it. I watch all of the Kevin Smith kind of fringe movies. The only one I haven't seen again is, is Yoga Hosers, but yeah, I did watch Tusk, and it was a little hard to get through. It I don't was know, but it does feel like going to see your friends' movies. Yeah, exactly There's that, and. and it became it was it started off as as a podcast joke, yeah. And what it was is he was talking about to his podcast, and he made a joke about uh, a movie about a guy that turns a guy into a walrus, and it, it was just this long running joke on one episode of his podcast. And he's Weird. like, "Fuck it, I'm going to make it a movie," and uh, he did. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I don't know that you could go all day about where that movie. Well, not all day. You could make a couple sentences about where that movie went wrong <laughs> but i think <laughs> I, I don't think it detracts from him and like the view universe at all like because like we he he's talks, just fucking around right he talks about how bad cop out was all the time and it's just like well that doesn't just because you make one bad movie doesn't mean your movies suck which i feel like he gets a lot of flack for like people think he like fell off or that you know his movies suck now it's just like well I he's mean, just doing his thing how many good movies do most people make maybe one or two yeah, unless you you're know. Chris Nolan, right? But have you, you seen know. the review or the previews for Tenant? No, I don't. You know, but anything Chris Nolan, I do want to see because, like, yeah, all everything that I've seen of his work has been great. So, oh, that's right. You don't watch trailers, do you? No. Um, I don't know. I'll I'll watch a trailer if it if I don't care about seeing the movie. But like, I but like if it's something you want to see, you want to go in cold. Yeah, because uh, I think I told this story before. I went and saw uh. District Nine, I love District Nine. Uh, cold and I like I didn't even know like not. I think I did I didn't too even, when I, didn't I saw even, like, it. See a poster? Oh, I just went in and I was just like, "What the fuck is this, dude?" So, like that yeah. movie was such a fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's a real trip. And like, 
Um, but ever since then, I've been trying to go into movies blind. Like I didn't, I don't even watch Star Wars previews, which is like hard to do. No, they're everywhere. It's, it's very hard to ignore Marvel big, movies too. It's very yeah. Oh my it's god! It's very hard to ignore Marvel movies. Like I didn't know um, that there was even a snap in Infinity War until I went to see it. Like I was able to completely put blinders on. And god I damn! Didn't, I didn't uh, know. I didn't. I have no idea what happens in the newest Star Wars movie still. Oh, we gotta go see that. Yeah, like I don't, I don't even know who's in it. Like I don't know if Luke comes back. I don't know if Leia was written off. I have no. What are you doing next weekend? Uh, Sunday I've got to babysit. We could probably do it Sunday afternoon if yeah. it's still in theaters anywhere. Oh, it will be. Yeah, we can hit but the yeah. matinee for that shit. Um, I don't. Yeah, going in blind, not knowing. Oh, I wish about I could movie. do that. Well, and I went into even tonight's feature uh, reboot. I mean, I knew it was Jane Silent Bob reboot. And when you hear that it's a reboot, you know what to expect. Like, okay, it's going to be a retread of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which it was, and it was, you know. Which is funny. They have a whole conversation in the movie describing what is a retread, <laughs> what is a reboot. Yeah, what, what's, what a is reboot, a sequel, what's a sequel, what's a remake, what's a sequel, and uh, how they distinguish themselves. But And this is kind of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't make squeakles anymore. Oh, um, oh, uh-huh. But Jason Lee joke. I think my favorite part about not knowing what to expect of it was that like it was cool to, that it was like a retread like it's familiar comfortable territory and mm-hmm. then i get to see the characters sh- pop back up because like if i saw a preview i'm sure i would have known that ben affleck was going to show up but him showing up in like the 100 100th minute was really cool you know? yeah and 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 i didn't know about that i mean i had seen not only had i seen the trailer for the movie which i was super excited for but like two years to the day from last Tuesday when I went and saw uh I went I actually met Kevin Smith and Jay Muse on Tuesday. Mm. And I'll get into that whole story here in a minute. Mm-hmm. But uh two years previous on that exact day, I had seen uh Kevin and Jason at the Tacoma Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. I went with Lee and we watched that. that and uh he actually got up and read a page from Jay and Silent Bob reboot on stage to kind of get interest and get people into it. And so uh, that scene with Jason Lee in a comic book shop where they're talking about the difference between a reboot and a retread and all that shit, uh, that was the scene from which he read. And it still made it in. Just kidding. (laughs) Right. Just kidding. No, it was. I really, I I love Jason Lee now that he's no longer a Scientologist. Oh, thank goodness. Because that's how my emotions go. You're acting. You're dead to me. You're dead to me as soon as you become a Scientologist. What about Tom Cruise? Yeah, he's always been dead to me, but what he's been Will dead to Smith. everybody. Is he? Is Will Smith a Scientologist? I think he dabbles. I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah. think like if you once you make a certain dollar amount, they want you in no matter what. Well, yeah, because Ran- Randy from My Name Is Earl, Ethan Supley, yeah, is also a Scientologist. Did you see that guy's transformation? Yeah, that's how I they're know calling about it, it the checked, ultimate fucking glow up. I checked the Reddit comments. That's how I found out. Jesus. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was funny that they ha- he had a Reddit nod in the middle of the movie just to like d- uh, to ha- <laughs> hat tip to all, all of his fans that still stick up for him on the internet. Yeah, well, he has to. And, and uh, yeah, that's funny. The pictures of Ethan Supley. Ethan Supley played the... Uh, uh, played Randy. He's the big dumb He was guy Randy in, in My, My Name is Earl, but he also starred in a bunch of Kevin Smith movies. Did he? Yeah, he had bit roles in uh, Mallrats. Did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, he did. He, he couldn't had the see the sailboat. He was the big... F- yeah. He, he was, was huge. Wow. And, and I don't mean no disrespect. I love no, Ethan yeah, Soapley. He was an o- obese man. But now he's all over facts Facebook, and he is... Yeah, he's really cut he's up. He's cut. Yeah. Like, scary cut. Yeah. 
Like I thought it was a different guy until I looked at some of the facial oh, structure. I didn't. I I wouldn't have believed it. No. Actually, I looked at the side by side photos and I was like, well, I'm just gonna have to take your word. Cause yeah, yeah, because he looks like a different dude. Yeah, kind of like does. the Kumail Nanjiani blow up too uh, recently. Do you know who Kumail Nanjiani is? No, he's a Pakistani comedian. Uh, oh, who's, no, all, who's do, known for who doing beta yeah. male kind of stuff Camille, yeah. where he's the, the weaker gender. And yeah, I saw his Netflix movie where his wife has cancer and it's based on his real life and all that. Super sad. I haven't watched that yet, but Patrick was telling me about that, and it's just a fucking tear jerk. It, and it's like realistic. It's based on real life. It is. I'll be honest. It's not that much of a tear jerker. Okay. Because it's such, it's like not that well made. Did they hand up too heavy? No, it's just like it, it never feels emotionally. It never feels that serious because it's just like a made-for-TV movie kind of tone. Ooh. So it just doesn't land that emotional punch. Well, I'm going to have to see it anyways. But no, yeah. that's good. But so uh, Kamel Nanjiani was hired for uh, mm-hmm. The Eternals, yeah, now which is a new Marvel movie. I saw and his muscles. Holy shit, did he go yeah. through a transformation. And he at so least took, he, he took the high road. Who are you talking about? The guy from Stranger Things. David oh, Harbour. Uh, Harbour? Yeah, David Harbour got super swole to play... Uh, Hellboy? Hellboy, and yeah. now he's playing a fat dude again. And it's just like, <laughs> put yo-yo in my body, Hollywood. I can't handle it. He looks like he does it well, though. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Kamel Nanjiani went on to uh, Twitter and put this long uh, post about how uh, people glorify these kind of glow-ups, but it wouldn't have been possible without the trainers and the money and right. the, the the paid time where he gets yeah, to do it's, that. It's, a, it's his job. Yeah, and it's not swole. something that's accessible to the normal human being. And he acknowledged that, which was, I thought, a real good uh, change of pace from the yeah. typical Hollywood uh, yeah. person. But, uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Ethan Supley was uh, the sailboat guy. He couldn't see the sailboat. Yeah, I remember him now. That's funny. I for, I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this, I mean, so Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot was, uh, I loved it. I thought it was. I did actually really enjoy it. The right amount of. I mean, because I'm in the target audience. I've always yeah. been a Jay and Silent Bob fan. Yeah. Uh, that stoner humor just kind of resonates with me. Yeah. It always has. So uh, I've been a fan. Uh, I started when uh, Dogma was in the theaters, and I don't remember what year that was. I want to mm, say that was mid-90s. early 2000s. Really? Hold on. I'm going to look that up. That's but fine. Uh, but uh, I, I, that, Dogma was the first movie that of his that I saw actually in the theaters. 99. 1999? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was with my horrible, no good, downright dirty ex. <laughs> so, but uh, Dogma, I saw in the theaters. Uh, I was transformed by it, and and I don't mean to say that in any kind of uh, oversimplification well, of it. But I was I was thinking about doing filmmaking at that right, point. Yeah. And so once I saw Dogma, and I I kind of went back and I read through uh, Kevin Smith's body of work at that mm-hmm. point started flipping through clerks and flipping through mall rats and chasing amy and all of these movies and, and really realizing that he kind of made his own path and that he kind of built his own legacy i it really pushed me to want to do kind of the same thing back when i was studying films so. well i think it i th- i think that his movies really show that you can make a great movie mm-hmm. when the only good thing in that movie is the dialogue because he is that, a dialogue the acting's guy. not that great. The settings, the middle of a goddamn mall or some shitty tiny apartment or some shitty shut down convenience store. Super contained at locations. Night. Super yeah. contained locations that aren't interesting. <laughs> Actors who aren't very good. 
and you know a story that to be honest isn't very like in engaging like i don't really care if this dude is in love with the lesbian i don't really care if these dudes hang out at the mall too much right you know but like the dialogue is so good that those movies are amazing movies i will watch those movies right now i tell you what and that's a lot of my favorite directors Mm -hmm. Uh, so kevin smith is one of my favorite directors Mm -hmm. uh robert rodriguez is another one of my favorite directors and his dialogue pithy movies are like Sin City or mm-hmm. uh, El Mariachi, uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, movies Spy Kids. He did the Spy Kids movies, which uh, isn't dialogue heavy. It's just no Spy Kids that was, out there. Spy Kids was just that one is visual Side trip to yeah. Love Letter for His Kids, really. Kidland. But uh, and then of course Quentin Tarantino, yeah, whose movies are dialogue. nothing but dialogue, yeah, and foot fetishism, and but ear, that's a story for another ear time. Violence and what, what? Oh, ear violence. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think, but for real though, I mean, like, his not, people say that he's like an amateur filmmaker because they're dicks, but (laughs) they're really, they're trying to say, like, uh, you know, that his movies are simple and they don't need to be complicated. No. Just the dialogue will carry that movie into where it's at right now, which is, you know, reverence. Right. He's got a very distinct cult following Mm -hmm. that will put out the money Mm -hmm. to see what he wants them to see, to buy what he wants them to buy. And I mean, even if it's not the biggest audience, he's got his own people. Right. He's captured and corralled a certain amount of the marketplace that is endeared to him. Right. I mean, you you don't see like... I can't even think of a small act, a small director who could garner such a following because they don't have one. No, nobody's going to stick out my brain to even use as a reference. Because <laughs> like <laughs> nobody else can do it. Where they make like four good movies over twenty years ago, and everybody still loves them and talks about them and you know watches them on and holds them up. See, in but comparison. that's the thing. Kevin Smith manages to keep himself relevant to that core group of people, mm-hmm. to where. There's always a little bit of buzz. There's always a little bit of heat. Yeah. Like he's able to put out a movie once every five, ten years, or whatever it is, and then he's able to fuck off on little side projects like uh, Yoga Hosers and Tusk and Moose Jaws, and really do some out there silly shit while doing things like his podcasts and doing things like his road shows and his stand up tours. Have been able to keep the money coming in to keep the creative juices flowing to where he can do pretty much whatever he wants at this point. Yeah. And that's kind of a genius move on his part. It's kind of like what, uh, uh, if you think back with, uh, George Lucas and what he did with star Wars Mm -hmm. and Steven Spielberg back in the day when he's like, you know, I'll take ownership and give you this as just a stunning percentage as long as I can retain ownership. Yeah. And then that ownership turned into, billions of dollars yep. over over the years and was one of the smartest most financial savvy endeavors that he's been able to do and and he hasn't Kevin Smith hasn't always followed that he did things like cop out I think for Universal he did uh Zack and Mary make a porno that wasn't his own idea that I actually really enjoyed that it movie. was and it wasn't but it, it wasn't set in the view universe and yeah. it was made under someone else's umbrella yeah. so he doesn't per se own the rights to it huh but if you'll notice in Jay and Silent Bob in the courtroom scene, they bring in Justin Long's character, Dick Grinder on Wolf or Dick Wolfer Dick Wolf. on Grinder. Yeah, yeah, that guy. That uh, was the same character. It's the deck. same guy. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. And he never expressly says it, but anyone who's seen the movies knows it's the same fucking guy. Yeah. And so it's his own little nod. And he he made uh, he made uh, Zach and Mary 
canon with this little crossover character that they didn't name. Yeah, and I really love all the call- callbacks and cameos. I really like to be honest cuz to be honest, reboot didn't wasn't that great of a movie in like story content because right. it's the same thing where they're just going to go stop their movie so that way they keep their names which is, was thin in the first place. Right. And it was all just a vehicle for the 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 fatherhood aspect yeah, of right. it, which is the B plot. Right. Which be, kind of became the A plot. Yep. Um, and, and actually, I didn't mind uh, Harley Quinn Smith. No, she uh, did really good. Millennium Falcon uh, was her name. Yeah. Millie. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, uh, she was great. Yeah. I thought she was great. And she was very believably Jay's daughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though she's actually, in reality, Kevin Smith's daughter. Yep. And then uh, Jay's Wait. daughter. Is she? <laughs> Just kidding. No, because <laughs> no, if you look at her, she definitely looks like Schwabach. Yeah, she definitely does. And uh, Jennifer Schwabach, which is uh, Kevin Smith's mm-hmm. wife. Um, but uh, if you look, there's a scene with uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Joey Loren Adams from Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're uh, co-parenting now. And their daughter comes into the room. And that's actually played by Logan Lee Muse, which is Jason Muse's daughter. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very evident that they had to keep her entertained <laughs> during the filming. Oh, He's sitting yeah. there making faces at her, and she's making faces back. And yeah. it's really super adorable. I mean, they broke the wall. The yeah. fourth wall was broken there yeah. inadvertently, but it was cute as shit. So. Yeah, it was, it was a really heartwarming moment. And you, you could tell that it meant a lot to them because the whole movie was about fatherhood mm-hmm. and like missing out on being a father. And you feel like maybe they had that feeling because... Uh, when did Muse get clean again? I want to say Muse has been clean for almost 10 years, something yeah. like that. So 2009, it, I want to say. Right, yeah, so like right after Clerks 2 is when he fell off. Right. And he like really... And if you've ever read any of Kevin Smith's books, which I have, again, I'm a super fan, I admit mm-hmm. it. Uh, I believe it was in Silent Pop Speaks where uh, he talks about... Uh, finding Jason just completely smacked out of his gob, yeah. uh, having to bring him in and take care of him, uh, replace all of his teeth because yeah. the drugs fucked him up. You could tell that he had dentures. Yeah. Or that he had re- fake teeth. I mean, and I'm not one to talk. I got my own set of teeth. but well, not uh, from drugs, but... Not from drugs. It's yeah. just, but the fact of the matter is, is, is this relationship that we've seen play out since the early 90s between Jay and Silent Bob is also kind of the narrative of Muse and, and Smith's relationship as well, which is actually uh hetero life mate is probably and that's what they call themselves throughout mm-hmm. the entire series of movies is Jay will introduce himself as uh Jay and, and this is my hetero life mate, Silent Bob. And yeah. that's so right on point to the nature of their relationship. Mm-hmm. They've gone past being friends, they're brothers. Whether they want to or not, even through the good times, through the hard times, and there's a wonderful uh, moment where smack dab in the middle of needing to prove himself to the studios when Dogma came out, um, they wanted to cut him. Miramax wanted Jason out, so Jason had to prove himself super extra hard to say that I'm ready for this. So the legend is, for Kevin Smith's own mouth, is that Jason uh, came to the sc- to to shoot. Not only knowing his lines, but having memorized the entire script. Oh, wow. The entire script. Cool. And so to prove that he knew exactly what was going on, he overprepared. And that's kind of how Jason Mewes did it. And, of course, he probably fell off the wagon a couple times after that. But 
Uh, Muse has been clean, I think, for a decade now at least. But yeah, you could see that this movie meant a lot to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the characters it's supposed to be, like they're having these moments, but you could see through the, like it's more than just the, the movie. Mm-hmm. These dudes are really experiencing that moment where they're... The fatherhood moment. Right, and, and they're sitting outside of the shop at uh, saying how much it means to have a friend who's got your back and down for an adventure and always be there for you no matter what. And just be by your side. And that was Jason talking to Kevin. Yeah, it's it's not... Jay talking to Bob it's Jason talking to Kevin and it's like really it's sweet to see and it's really it's a wholesome movie and like you get past all the dick jokes and stuff <laughs> and you really see what it's what it's about it's about having a friend by your side for more than 25 years now yeah someone who's got your back no matter what stupid decisions you make right and and it's heartwarming so I like I said I've I've kind of followed uh, the entire career uh, since Dogma you get movies like uh uh, you get Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You get movies like, or the TV show, the cartoon show they did for two episodes before it got shit canned. Really, only had two episodes? Yeah. Well, no, there were six, and on the DVD, there's six, uh, but well, only two, two made, made it. There. ABC kind of put the shit bag on that. Yeah. Which you know, fuck you, ABC. <laughs> they they make such bad decisions. Yeah. But I mean, the dirty sheep fuckers. <laughs> you goat fucker. Um, but. The it's got a real similar tone of Clerks too, and obviously of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back of like we're making a movie with our friends. We're just here to have fun. Whatever happens, that's, happens. Right, and that's why like these pop up characters that are only in for one scene seem so memorable and ridiculous because it's my buddy actor who I want to be over the top and make a fool of himself in front of me in the camera because I think it's funny personally. One of my favorites was uh, in Clerks two. The main character is Dante and Randall are working at uh, Movies, which is their McDonald's type mm-hmm. franchise, and uh, they're they're working. And uh, one of the characters that comes into the restaurant and interacts with them is played by Jason Lee, who's in almost every single one of Kevin Smith's movies, mm-hmm. with the exception of Clerks. He wasn't in Clerks, but he jumped in in Mallrats. And uh, so Jason Lee coming in, still right fresh off of uh, My Name Is Earl. And so he's still rocking that my name is Earl mustache and that fucking hair and everything. And he comes in and and there's an interaction between him and Randall, which is absolutely top notch. Um, I I think what I love about these movies is, as you say, it's just it's a very evident working with my friends situation and just kind of seeing what happens. Uh, You see that with clerks. Clerks was very much just a day at work. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of an atypical day at work. Obviously, things happen, as tends to do in movies. But uh, by and large, it's just this is a day, typical day in the life of uh, Randall and Dante. And then Mallrats was a bit more of a fantastical t- take on just the shenanigans to unemployed, under-motivated teenagers can get into. Uh, that was my first taste of Michael Rooker. Oh, yeah? Uh, it was the first time I've ever seen him in a movie. And if you know anything about Michael Rooker, he played in The Walking Dead. He played in uh, mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy as uh, uh, Yondu Mary Poppins, yeah. Udanta. Yeah. So uh, I really like Rooker. I think he's great. Uh, but And then, uh, let's see, what was after that? After Mallrats, it was uh, Chasing Amy, which is the first film that he won critical acclaim for. Uh, due to the uh, nature of the 
uh, LGBTQ content in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they even made a nod to that in Reboot where they talk about uh, how this movie was set in the uh, kind of mind of this cis white male perspective. Uh, in this case being uh, Holden McNeil falls in love with a lesbian, tries to convert said lesbian yeah. Uh, fails miserably, loses everything. Yep. Um, and and so uh, they kind of take a stab at that in this movie as well. When they talk about it, uh, they talk about how they're going to be making uh, a Chasing Amy kind of uh, Netflix thing. And uh, it's being done by Alyssa, not by Holden, because uh, Alyssa was the lesbian. Uh, but how we don't need that kind of story told from the cis white male perspective anymore. (laughs) And I thought that was so fantastic that they'd mentioned that because yes, uh, I loved that movie. Yes. That movie was progressive for its time, but now uh, something like that coming from a cis white male uh, director would be kind of problematic Uh, in is it's not his story to tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's his way of acknowledging this was, something that I was able to do back then. This is how I was able to give back back then. Yeah. And now I can't do that. So <laughs> um, uh, it's a cool acknowledgement. And then, so we go from chasing Amy, we go to clerks or to clerks, small rats chasing Amy. Then it was dogma. Yep. Dogma was his attack on organized religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say attack on God because you can definitely tell there's still a belief with him. Um, but being raised Catholic, he's a lax, lapsed Catholic, and there's a lot of shots at the Catholic Church in that movie in particular. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the ever-memorable uh, Cardinal Glick, played by uh, dear old George Carlin, uh, himself a lapsed Catholic. Uh, so I thought that was kind of ironic. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and then from Dogma, uh, we get to the silliness of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Which is just kind of like the first time I think they sat down and been like, "Look, we're just gonna, we're just gonna fuck around and see what happens." Well, it's also his biggest budget, I think. Strike Back or yeah. Dogma? Strike Back. Because it had a lot of cameos from like the S- the famous SNL players and stuff, and by then, the other yeah. guys were were already pretty famous. I don't know if you'd have to pay his friends a whole lot of money, but like. That movie seemed like it had a higher budget than most of his movies, I would assume. I think they had, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'd have to look it up and do the math, and that's far too much math for me to do right now. For but, sure, for sure. Um, then he did a couple of projects, like we talked about. He worked outside of the system for a while. He did Jersey Girl, yep. which was his take on a romantic drama, which, you know, I've seen it. I own it. <laughs> I've um, seen it. What an endorsement. It's not my particular type of movie. Mm-hmm. It was Ben Affleck's first flick right after the whole Geely, J-Lo yep. thing. And uh, I, it's it was a good flick. It was a good flick. I'm not going to lie. I liked Jersey Girl. I don't watch it a lot. But, I mean, there's a lot of movies I like that I don't watch. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, don't watch Godfather every day. It's not a horror. It's not a bad movie. And I'm not comparing it to Godfather, okay, guys? Seriously. <laughs> I don't want to get angry emails. I'm not comparing it to Godfather. I'm just saying there's certain movies that I love that I only watch once in a blue moon, and uh, I don't watch Jersey Girl very often. But I really got no hate for it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he did Zach and Miri make a porno, which I thought was fucking great because that brought him in line with a lot of Judd Apatow's people. Yeah. Uh, Craig Robertson and Seth Rogen and uh, Elizabeth Banks was in that one, uh, which she was great. I'm not well, a huge fan of Elizabeth it, Banks. It was another opportunity to flex his drama muscles. I mean, like, it's supposed to be a comedy. In a movie about porn. But I'd say it's 95% drama. Like, maybe 90% drama. Like, there's really only, like, four or five funny parts. And the rest is about how awkward being a person is. <laughs> Which is kind of Seth Rogen's MO. Yeah. He's just, hi, I'm awkward. Yeah. Uh, as a character. Right. Um, Which, I don't know. He's kind of glowed up a little bit lately, too. Well, I think that he's earned a spot of respect, you know, and like being so successful that like, you know, he just, he, they pick him to be the ha- the dude in romantic comedies, even though he shouldn't be. Yeah. But because he's a funny comedian, they're giving him these roles, you know? Yeah. Uh, like that one where he's fallen in love with the vice president or whatever. I don't remember. Oh, I saw a preview for that. I haven't watched that Yeah, one. it's not very good. But it's like he, I mean, he got the role because he's Seth Rogen because right. of his comedy chops, not because he's a good, you know. The cool thing about a that is, man. <laughs> no, he's not a handsome man. That's unfortunately every time someone tells me I look like a celebrity, it ends up being Seth Rogen. I, <laughs> I I've never gotten get that, a good one. I've gotten that like eight times from different people, so I have to imagine there's something to it. Uh, I don't know how to respond to that typically when someone would say that, and it's like, oh, uh, thanks. That's when you just give them the. This Do the is laugh. Rogan <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> the funny thing about that is Seth Rogen's career has led him to be able to do a lot of production and behind the scenes writing and producing. Yeah, he's got he started you, several of his own shows, yeah. If there is something comic related in Hollywood right now that you like, he's got his hands in it. Probably yeah. fucking preacher. Yeah. AMC's Preacher. He did all three seasons of that. Him and Evan Goldberg. His show on Hulu is really good too. That he also Future did Man. with Evan Goldberg. Yeah, Future Man. And then also, did you say Future Man? F- F- Futterman. 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 Uh, he also did uh, The Boys. Yeah. He was the executive producer for Amazon Prime's The Boys, which holy shit! Did you finally finish that? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's real good. I went through it twice now. Oh, that's right. I went through it recently You're with Daniela. With Danny. Yeah, and uh, she even liked it. Yeah, it's good. Which says something. It's just schlock, comic book schlock. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good comic book properties out there that are getting adapted now because, you know, Seth Rogen's got that fuck around money now. And yeah. He can do whatever he wants. So, yeah. Which, again, kind of brings us back full circle to Kevin Smith now because after Jay and Silent Bob and after, you know, the chase, or not chasing Amy, but uh, Jersey Girl and Chad, Zach and Mary make a porno, he was able to do things like sit down and do vanity projects just for the okay he did cop out we won't talk about cop out he's talked about it at great length the ins and outs of working with bruno old bruce willis (laughs) i love they hated each other for so long after that movie i guess they're getting along now nobody i'll be honest i've never heard of anybody liking bruce willis he's intense I've never heard a good Hollywood behind-the-scenes story. I've never heard anything where he's, like, <laughs> donated a bunch of hats to the local children's hospital. He doesn't do, you know, I've never heard a good story about Bruins. But, you know, I, I'm sure he's never heard, heard a good story about me, so. He might have. I don't know. <laughs> he's like that Thomas guy, real stand-up dude. Your word fame spreads far and wide. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the ins and outs of working with Tracy Morgan and, and, and Bruce Willis on that movie aside, then he goes on to make... Uh, his vanity projects, which were uh, Red State, 
which I don't know if you've ever seen Red State. I actually haven't. I know what it's about. Yeah, it's his kind of approach to the Westboro Baptist Church Mm -hmm. and the interactions that he had with a member of the Westboro Baptist Church for uh, a little while after, I want to say it was after Dogma came out. Um, Oh, yeah. Because obviously the God hates fags assholes at the Westboro Baptist Church who should all burn in hell, uh, if I'm not putting too fine a point on it. If you, for whatever reason, follow their line of rationale, you should click off of this podcast and delete the link. Yeah. Uh, You are not welcome here. Uh, However, that being said, uh, it was kind of his take on uh, Westboro Baptist Church and a story set inside that kind of cult-like community. It was very serious. There was yeah. no dick and fart jokes. No, it's this straight movie. rated R. Yeah, it, and not for the the language. But it's it's really good. And then he does something like Tusk, and okay, Tusk was what Tusk was. Uh, Tusk was like definitely somebody who didn't get told no, and was just well, he wanted made to be wanted like to be a, weird. I think it was like a nine day shoot. I'm not surprised. And he did it as a joke. It was all. It yeah. all stemmed as a joke from his podcast, where and the movie's about a podcaster. Yeah, and 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 how it started off as this joke, like, oh fuck it, I'm gonna make a movie about a guy who turns another guy into a walrus, and and I'll be goddamned if he didn't do it. And that's the kind of thing, like I said, it's a vanity project because I mean, it couldn't have cost him all that much money. It didn't have a whole lot of star power. It had Haley Joel Osment. It had oh fuck. I forget the main villain in that, but it had uh, Justin Long, I want to say, was uh, the main protagonist. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Michael Parks played Howard Howe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Parks. That's the guy I was trying to think of. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, 2014 Tusk, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what the budget was on that. Uh, There's not a lot of information out about that. It's kind of a fucked up movie. <laughs> yeah, it's real weird. I don't know. My favorite part about it was Haley Joel Osment, which is like, just because I want—I was glad seeing that dude come out of the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really good actor. It's nice to see him in things again. I see an estimated $3 million budget, but that's an estimate that I'm sure somebody whooped out of their butt. Yeah, I mean, and it's not, Above thinking that he got like a small production release scheduled for three million dollars in Hollywood is almost no money. No, that's nothing. So. That's that's paper like back of the napkin money, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because that would set me up for life. Yeah, or at yeah. least a good year. It's or two disgusting. Just like give me the budget. Drink and drug myself into an I'm overdose. I'm sure I would be a more entertaining movie just watching me do this. Thomas the movie. Thomas the movie. Oh my god. I don't know. I wouldn't have Haley Joel Osment though. So, who would play Thomas in Thomas the movie? Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> you think Haley Joel Osment? Well, uh, you know it'd have to be Seth Rogen playing me. Uh, uh, <laughs> actually, wouldn't it be bad. I don't know. The only famous people I've ever been told I look like is the dude on Supernatural. Both of them on <laughs> separate occasions, and I'm like, those two dudes look nothing like each other, and I don't look like either one of them. <laughs> I was very flattered, though. I was like, all right, those dudes are very handsome, all right. I don't know how I keep getting Seth Rogen like eight times. It's ridiculous. It's just having glasses and a beard. That might be it. I think that's how low that bar is. It's just your white. And I just got the generic white fat kid face. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe if I put glasses on and I get it, then you know it's just the glasses and the beard. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, more about uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, the, the viewers screw movies in general. And, uh, yeah, stick around. We'll be right back. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one convenient place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back. Um, so we were talking about Kevin Smith and his his movies, his career, um, the movies in progression that he has managed to put out, and how he's kept his name relevant. Uh, he does a lot of stand up DVDs, not not as comedy, but like he's a storyteller. So he does a lot of touring. Uh, they they call it the Evening with Kevin Smith movies. And he's done like three or four of those. Yeah, he's also done the ones with Jason and Conjointed. Yeah, where they do the podcast on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I actually went and saw that live at the Tacoma Comedy Club. It was fun. Uh, it, it was very funny. Um, I imagine it has to be a different show every night. They can't just do pre-recorded material or pre-done material. Yeah. Because they're doing a new episode of their podcast every time. So that's kind of the the fun yeah. of you, you get to interact and witness these two dudes who just really grew up around each other in each other's company just fuck with each other. Yeah, and he Smith really is a master at telling a good story. Oh yeah. And or even telling a poor story very well. <laughs> like he's got this famous story about how he almost got on to write a Superman movie. Oh my god! And it's like this thirty-minute-long story about like why, basically, why he, he didn't take the deal or like didn't go through with writing the movie because he just didn't want to deal with the producer of it. Mm-hmm. Who and produced that? I, I want to say it was not Barry Sonnenfeld, was it? I don't know. Um, anyway, sorry. But the long of it is, is just it's just he turns this like what could be a two sentence long story into this long 30 minute weave of very entertaining uh art really yeah and he's got the same thing when i saw him um he did uh i saw kevin do a talk like i said i went and saw jay and silent bob or jason and kevin uh grow old it was the name of their podcast that they do I saw them do that at the Comic Comedy Club. And then another time, me and Carrie went with my friend Mark, who does the Nerds Drink Whiskey podcast. Uh, we went uh, and saw Kevin just do a stand-up date at, uh, I want to say it was the parlor in Bellevue, in the fancy mall that I can't even afford to breathe in. Uh, Bell Square. Bell Square Mall. Very cool mall. I it is. Work, I used, I used to, to live there. up there. Oh, yeah. I used to work there. Yeah, what would you do? Uh, I worked at... Uh, Shit, what are they called? Pottery Barn? I used to work at the Pottery Barn. Uh, really? Doing freight. Was this before the, I knew you? Yeah, at the time they were remodeling the mall, so I had to walk around the outside of the mall all the way around like four times a day. My legs were so chafed they would just bleed all the time. Like, <laughs> not <laughs> even joking. Christ. I had to quit. 
because it was it was too much walking, which is just a dumb thing to quit a job over. When I moved to when I moved to Washington at first, uh, this was in back in ninety six, ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved to Bellevue initially, so I was nineteen years old living in Bellevue. Yeah, it's a rough move. Working in, I think I worked at the Fred Myers down there, and then at the they had a place called Warehouse, which was a music and video store. Oh yeah. And I used to work at the uh, the video rental counter. Cool. There, so a little Randall in me. Yeah, Bellevue's a very cool town, just way too expensive to live in. Oh, yeah. And I th- like I tell people, we were talking about that in the food podcast last week, how uh, being in the Pacific Northwest has colored my love of Asian cuisine and oh, and yeah. how I've, I'm really just like Thai and Japanese food and Chinese food and yeah. Vietnamese food and yeah, we all get some of that very shit. authentic stuff around here. Yeah, and then there's a, there's a heavy-duty Asian population up in mm-hmm. uh, the Seattle, Bellevue, Kirkland, right. Redmond area. Yeah, the Asia town is half of Seattle. Oh, and I know. <laughs> it's everything south. It's badass. Of, uh, <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> didn't place. we go, we went to the fucking Wajamaya there, I go, you, well, didn't we? I, every time I go to Seattle, I go to Wajamaya because you can park there for free if you buy groceries. And then you just get your parking validated for the groceries and then it's free parking in Seattle. It's great. Yeah, and that's pretty central to everywhere. Yeah. Lately anymore, every time I go up to Seattle, it's to Starbucks headquarters. I do mm. merchandising, and so they send me to the Starbucks up there to uh, merchandise the uh, customer shopper experience lab. Yeah. And I always come home with, like, f- butt tons of free coffee. You're it's fantastic. Kevin Smith fan. Did that dude ever have a real job? I mean, aside from the, being a clerk at a grocery store? Because after <sighs> that, he kind of just took off and was made, right? That's the only one I ever hear about. Yeah, I would assume it's the only one. I mean, because he was pretty young, right, when he got that job, right. and, and 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 rumor has it that he got that job just to get access to the convenience store to do his movie. Which Interesting. Wouldn't surprise me. No, it seems like something he would do. So we were talking off uh, off uh, Mike about uh, a bunch of the different memorabilia that I have for Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan. Um, I've got uh, the movie doll, the stuffed movie doll from the Dogma movies and beyond. Mm-hmm. Where they introduced Mooby the Golden Calf, <laughs> which was their shot at idolatry yeah. um, for the Catholic faith, but it's it's their fast food mascot. Um, I've got the Buddy Christ, which again from Dogma, their take on modifying and and modernizing Jesus Christ with the young <laughs> audience. How to economize him for selling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, if you look up there, you see a bottle of Gatorade on my shelf. Yep, that bottle of Gatorade came from the Quick Stop. That, you were telling me that a while ago. Yeah, so uh, about, I want to say 12, 11 years ago, something like that, me and my buddy uh, Lee, uh, we went to New York to visit my best friend Robert, mm-hmm. who was going to Columbia University at the time. And so we just went up for a week to hang out, visit. I'd never been to New York, so it was kind of cool. But the time of year we went was actually during... Uh, March, right right at St. Patrick's Day. And so we all kind of looked at each other uh, one morning and they're like, we really don't want to be in New York City on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, that sounds um, hectic. So we hopped a train and we went over to Red Bank, New Jersey. Yep. And when we got to Red Bank, New Jersey, we went to, when we were a little early, we had to buy coffee and wait. And we got an early train. But uh, we went over to uh, uh, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. Which, uh, if anyone has seen AMC's Comic Book Men, know is the 
comic book shop from that movie or from that television show. His actual shop. Kevin Smith's actual comic book yeah. shop. Yeah. And so we got, and this was before comic book men, obviously. So we right. got to go in and we did a, we did our shopping and then they had all sorts of uh, memorabilia all over the place. Uh, uh, they had the, the, the blunt mobile from Jay and <laughs> Silent Bob Strike Back. So that was kind of cool. Um, but, and then the, the guy running the register was Walt Flanagan, who, if you've ever, again, if you've watched comic book men, Walt Flanagan is the guy from comic book yeah, men who runs the, the shop. One of the guys on it. And, uh, he's all also, f- all four of those dudes were in reboot. They had their own oh, yeah. spotlight. Yeah. Dude, everyone was in reboot. Kevin Smith's mother was in reboot. Dude, I didn't realize so. that was his wife that was playing the movie manager. Yeah. I looked that up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I mean, anyone who's anyone in Kevin Smith's life was in that was in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anyone who's anyone was, was a cameo in Jay and Silent Bob reboot, uh, and which was cool. And, and in fact, they had uh, – he's done a, a couple of episodes of, of uh, The Flash. He's done a couple episodes of Supergirl. He's weaved his way into the DC TV universe. Yeah, he's done quite a few episodes. And so he had uh, Melissa Benoist uh, from Supergirl. Is that how you pronounce that? I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice and say it's Benoit. Benoit. Yeah, it looks. Melissa Benoit. I don't know. It might be. Dude, I thought. I'd ask. I thought Fugazi was pronounced Fugazi. Now I now I don't know which one it is. Fugazi. Fugazi. It means you're a fake either way. Yeah. But uh, shit depends if you ask an Italian. It's. Hey, you fucking Fugazi. Right. And then the punk, there's a punk band. Fugazi. Fugazi. Yeah. I thought the word was Fugazi. Hmm. I've only ever read it. I don't know. That's <laughs> the problems of That's being neither right. here nor there. <laughs> I don't know if it's Benoit, Benoist, whatever. Uh, Melissa, Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you got her husband uh, who played Monel on Supergirl. He was he had a small cameo. Yeah. and uh, Lots the ki- of cameos. The Jesse Rath, who plays uh, Brainiac. Yeah, uh, on Supergirl was also in there. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't have any of the Flash kids in there. Well, it's weird. I don't know. The point is, is that he's had like every every recognizable face that's been in any of his movies that he could get in was in this movie. I love that uh, uh, Joe Manganiello's in there. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever heard anything about Joe Manganiello, he is a super nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, like D and D playing died in the wool has a dungeon in his house, not for sex. Uh, <laughs> at least as far as I know, uh, nerd. Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, let's see. Well, like even like the Molly Shannon and James Vanderbeek, like those weird, like cameos that were like super unexpected for me, like really busted my sides. And especially Chris Hemsworth hologram. <laughs> the Chris Hemsworth hologram and this the irreverence of which he uh, discusses it. Chris Jericho mm-hmm. plays a goddamn Ku Klux Klan leader mm-hmm. in it, which I thought was, was fantastic as well. Uh, I didn't even know it was Jericho at first. I think my favorite cameo was Diedrich Bader as the security <laughs> guard because I love Diedrich Bader and you don't get to see him out of any outside of anything other than uh, the Drew Carey show replays reruns and this was his second movie he did Jane Silent Bob Strike Back yeah. too as the same character and he does so he does such a good job and I think he's so funny in case you weren't familiar with Diedrich Bader's body of work did you know that he also voices Batman in which one because he voices Batman in there was a show for a couple of years called The Brave and the Bold which is kind of a campier take on Batman. 
Uh, so he voiced uh, Batman in that. And then also on the new Harley Quinn uh, television show on DC Universe, he voices Batman on that cartoon as well. Dude, and so, so when, funny. when he talked about in the television or on Jane Silent Reboot where he talked about the hammers of justice was a direct quote from his Batman years. When he was talking about Batman's fists being the hammers of justice. Okay, because so. I was as I was watching, I was like, man, I wish I could hear more of, more of him talking because I love Diedrich Bader's voice. I was like, he should just do tons of voiceovers. The hammers of justice are he's, unisex. He's so fantastic, silky smooth. Silky, I think. This is from Brave and the Bold. <laughs> it's this dude uh, in a dress trying to get Batman not to hit him. That's super funny. <laughs> so, and of course, that's Cedric Bader. But uh, the cool thing about uh, Kevin Smith is, like I said, he maintains an, a certain amount of accessibility to his fans. Um, he's easy to find. He's always doing something. He stays relevant somehow. And of course. Uh, you know, about a year, a little over a year and a half ago, he had a Widowmaker heart attack mm-hmm. uh, during one of his stand-up performances. Yeah, it really changed his life around. Right. He had two shows that he was going to do to put together into a Netflix special. And after the first show, he realized he was feeling kind of punk, went backstage to take a nap, and then was progressively getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And so they finally took him to a hospital. He had had a massive coronary. Yeah. Uh, like he could have easily died. And so uh, he got fixed and, and they still put out the Netflix special. So it's pre heart attack, Kevin Smith, but uh, it was what they call a widow maker and it could have very easily took him out. Uh, so he changed his entire life around. Of course he spent the first two thirds of his life being three quarters of his life being this, Fat schlub. That was kind of his shtick. Yeah, he was the fat guy in jorts. That was always his. Still his character. But the fact is, he's turned his life around. He went vegan. Um, he yeah. takes care of himself. He exercises now. He's thinner than I've ever seen him. But he's healthy. Yeah. He's which is great. huge. Yeah. He's doing great. And, and, and I don't know if I told you about this, but uh, I posted on my Instagram the other day. Uh, I actually got to meet the guy. We were, me and my friend Patrick, again, we've talked about Patrick and his love of uh, stalking is such a hard word. Uh, let's call he it. He likes to pursue famous people and meet them. Pursue. Pursue Against makes their it will. sound creepy, too. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's no, no way, way to go say it. Patrick, I'm sorry. And so me and Patrick, my friend Arthur, and uh, one of their friends, Josh, we all went and we had dinner downtown on Tuesday night. Uh, knowing full well that Kevin Smith was going to be down there doing his reboot road show. Where did you eat? Uh, Kazuki. Where's Went that? To, to the ramen place downtown. Oh, I forgot its name. I love oh that place. Oh my God, it's so fucking good. Yeah. Introduced all the guys to uh, the super rich shoyu garlic ramen with pork belly, mm-hmm. uh, which if you've not tried it, find it, find it, find it. It's so good. Yeah, that black garlic oil goes oh, very far. So good. Yeah. And then, uh, so, we, you know, we the show started at 8. We, of course, did not have tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already seen the movie. I had already gone and, and spent my coin. And by the time those tickets came out, it was during the holiday season, and I was B-R-O-K-E broke. Yeah. So I couldn't afford it. I know people who were there, my friend Glenn, and 
my friend uh, Mark, both from Nerds Drink Whiskey, they were all in there. Um, but so uh, the show started at eight. We finished up dinner around nine. We figured we'd just go hang out. And, you know, when he pops out for a smoke or when he pops out to uh, the end of the night, we just happen to be there and hopefully, you know, have an encounter. Assault him. Assault is such a hard <laughs> word. Uh, I say on him, impale now, him okay, with so monster truck force. So we finish up with dinner and we go and park. Patrick gets a spot right in the Olympia Theater's parking spot. Uh, right next to the building, and I'm super pissed because I couldn't even find street parking. It's hard to get parking there on a good day in the Especially middle of the day. Especially during an event. Yeah, and on the end of an event, that's a, that's a miracle right so, there. So I circled the block. Not finding anything, I decided to pull into the parking lot and see if there were any spots. Illegal. No, it's not illegal. Uh, They're free parking. Okay, I'll allow it. So uh, I pulled in the back, and there happened to be one spot between uh, this this giant white Yukon and this gray uh, fucking Suburban, the Chevy Suburban. And so I pull in, and I'm kind of, me and AJ are kind of, Arthur, AJ, we're kind of like, aha, fuck Patrick, we found a spot too. And uh, so we're getting out of the car to go tell Patrick to fuck off, because he was uh, flipping us off and laughing at us as we couldn't find a parking spot, because he's such a good friend. Yeah. Um, so uh, as we're getting out of the car, I noticed that the Suburban is running and I'm like, that's weird. Did someone just leave it running or what the fuck's going on? And so I kind of poke my head up. I got a long car. I drive a challenger. So I got a long car. Uh, so my car is all the way in the spot. So getting out, I'm almost eye level with, uh, the passenger side door of the Suburban. So I just kind of poke my head over and see, you know, if someone's in the Suburban, and I'll be goddamned, it's fucking Kevin Smith. Oh, nice. He's in the Suburban. I don't know if he's smoking or whatnot, but he's fucking uh, texting and doing shit in his phone, and uh, I kind of look at him and give him almost like the Silent Bob little nod, and, <laughs> and Silent Bob does this little kind of hesitant way. wave, and, and, and so Kevin does that. He looks up at me, sees me looking, and he goes, Tiny. does a little wave, and then... Uh, I, I back off. I don't want to fucking freak out on know, him right that's, there. That's exactly what he's afraid of. Super like, invasive trying fans. To, trying and, to kill some time and yeah. have a minute to myself. So he pulls off. Uh, he, back, uh, he backs up and he's in the Suburban alone and he backs up and he takes off down the alley and I go over to Patrick and Arthur and I'm like, hey guys, that was fucking him. Yeah. They're like, shut the fuck up. No, it wasn't. I'm like, no, guys, that was fucking him. I know Kevin Smith when I see him. <laughs> yeah. That was fucking him. Yeah. Why did you knock and, and get a fucking... No, you idiots. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to piss him off. I, mm. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not like a fucking paparazzo. Yep. So, you know, our Arthur's freaking out. Like, oh my God, you spooked him. You spooked him. And then <laughs> fucking Patrick's going, I don't know, man. Maybe you did fucking spook him. But I'm like, no, man. Seriously. It's 9.15. His movie's just about 45 minutes in. He's got to come back. Yeah. And there's nowhere else to park. Yeah. This is right by the stage door. Right. He's coming back. Quit freaking out like a like like quit quit bitching out. Just stay put. Yeah. So we sit there and we talk for a little bit over an hour and uh the guy pulls back in and, and parks and goes back in the stage door and it's like, Okay, I told you he'd fucking be back. And so uh we just sit around on the parking lot, it's like an hour and a half, two hours, and we're killing time, we're talking. Uh I'm talking uh film with patrick and arthur because they're very big into independent film 
uh, we were comparing the IMDb pages and uh, they're like, oh, you don't have an IMDb page. And I'm like, no, I haven't done anything worthy of an IMDb page. He's like, we can change that. And so uh, we started talking about one of my short film ideas that I came up with a long time ago that we're talking about putting down, which is kind of cool. So I turned it into a little bit of a business meeting. And like I said in the, in the intro to this season, I'm definitely on my creative pursuits this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of different things that I'm going to be talking about on the podcast. So. But uh, I'm going to be doing, you know, independent film and I'm going to be recording with my band and and things like that. So it's going to be a very creative year for me, hopefully a very good year, productive year for me. Uh, So we're talking about all that. And then finally, around 1130, uh, when we're nice and firmly cold, it was windy and snowy and icy. And it's just very cold here lately. Balls cold. I mean, not like Michigan cold. Let's not get crazy about it. No, fuck them. But like Washington Washington cold. cold. It was Washington cold. One hoodie. (laughs) <laughs> barely cuts it <laughs> i had my uh i had my leather jacket on mm. but i didn't i was There's stupid no didn't have anything in it i had my uh my pullover hat oh, there but you yeah. uh and so uh they finally uh muse came out to smoke at one point we didn't bother him we let him smoke and then he went back in and i guess they did the q a and then after the q a uh they all came outside and and you know they were very very gracious and signed a couple things for everybody yeah, and super cool uh, got to shake hands with Jay and uh, Kev, and very cool. Uh, looked at Kevin and was able to say, "Look, man, I'm glad you didn't die. I'm glad you're still here." And he's like, "Yeah, me too." Yeah. So I mean, it was a very brief interaction, but very positive interaction. They were very tired. Yeah, you they're very they genuine tired. dudes. You can tell. Yeah, and they had to fly out uh, yeah. over to Spokane to do a show. So, oh my God, that sucks. No, what sucks is they were supposed to go on the uh, the pass. They were supposed to drive over. That'd be worse. Yeah. Fuck But driving. they shut the pass down. Dude, fuck. I hate driving during that. But, oh, on, during the summer, that shit sucks. Interesting postscript. Uh, so the Suburban was Kevin Smith's rental vehicle. Uh-huh. The Yukon was Jason Muse's rental vehicle. Uh-huh. So inadvertently, I had parked in exactly the right spot nice. to accomplish the task that we all wanted to have accomplished. And That's so very cool. I think uh, uh, Patrick got a couple of posters signed and... AJ got some pops signed, and I got my my copy of. They signed. Uh, they had him signed. sign multiple things. Uh, no, he had uh, Patrick had uh, Jason sign his pop, and uh-huh. Kevin sign his pop. Okay, and then uh, Patrick had two posters signed by both of them. Patrick, that's not bad. Greedy Patrick. That's all right, Patrick. We forgive you on their behalf, but don't do it again. I forgive you because you helped facilitate me meeting some of my heroes. So. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. But uh, <laughs> I mean. Would I do it again? Well, not a second time. Would you not go back them. and do it f- for a different actor? No, I mean, like, obviously you wouldn't do it a, a second time, but would you have done it knowing what you know now the first time? Yes. Yes. it was worth it. Absolutely. I got to shake hands with two of the people that filmically meant the world to me, mean the world to me, so... Uh, yes, win, lose, or draw, I would do that again. I've gotten to meet a handful of really cool celebrities over the years doing Comic-Cons and signings and things like that. That's very cool. Uh, I got to meet, uh, uh, Ever James Olmos. Oh, really? Who did, uh, a Commander Adama, yeah. William Adama from, okay, uh, the Battlestar yeah. reboot. Oh, yeah. He was also, uh, he was just coming off of his stint on Dexter. He did a season of Dexter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his line was pretty short 
given <laughs> that there were lines. Well, Will Wheaton's Well, it's line, a common con. Yeah, like Will Wheaton's line was next door, and Will Wheaton wasn't charging anything. So Will Wheaton's line know. was long as shit. Shit, I can't remember what I watched the other day, but Will Wheaton was like one of the writers on it, and I was like, God, this guy was had his fingers in everything Dude, before, before anybody realized it. Dude, Will's great, and 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 more to the point, they they're coming out with Picard now. Yeah, uh, that that uh, Star Trek show. Yeah, they're doing uh, a after show, kind of like they do with Walking Dead with Chris Hardwick. Uh, Chris Hardwick, of course, does the Talking Dead. He does uh, uh, Talking Bad. He does all these different after shows for AMC. They're doing that with Star Trek on CBS All Access. Will Wheaton's hosting it. Dude, I wasn't even thinking Will Wheaton. I was thinking Joss Wheaton. No, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton fucking rules. I love I, Will Wheaton. I really like uh, Wesley Crusher, man. Um, Stand By Me. Yeah. I, I watch that movie all the time still. Not all the time. Young I'm not like once a week fucking queuing up Stand By Me. But I've watched squishy, it within this Jerry last, O'Connell. last year. Oh, yeah. Jerry O'Connell. But it's funny. He looks like the eyes, like, you know, don't age, basically. So yeah. he looks like the exact same. But, man, other than that, never would have figured. Right. And uh, so Will Wheaton's doing that, and then so Will Wheaton's line was super long, and and uh, Everdream's almost line wasn't really long because it was a paid autograph. My former bass player Josh went up and paid for the autograph. He wanted to get the autograph, but I went with him, and I we just hung out for like five minutes. Okay, and, sorry. And I got to shake his hand and get a picture taken with him. And Josh Wheaton wrote Toy Story, is what it was in my the mind. original Toy Story. Yeah, isn't that weird? Oh shit! Yeah. That's cool. I know. Joss Whedon. But, dude, that is so... I wish... Who... I mean, because he's got to be up in your... At least in your top 10 of people... Famous dudes that you'd like to meet. Who? Adama? No. Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah. Kevin Smith is definitely top five. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, like, having that opportunity is just like... And, and Patrick's met him a few times. And, in fact, one of the times that Patrick did meet up with the guy, I, I guess he had done, like, a speaking gig at a casino. Uh-huh. He actually... He says he just happened to be parked next to him. Now I've seen how that can possibly happen. Yeah, but apparently Patrick, it does happen. Eh, I don't know. Patrick's a little shifty, but yeah. Patrick tagged me in a video on Facebook a few years ago uh-huh. where he got Kevin Smith to give me a shout out, uh-huh. and I think the shout out was something. And forgive me for paraphrasing it. I don't know if I could find it if I wanted to, um, but anyway. So the shout out was basically. Um, uh, he had gotten Kevin Smith and said, hey, can I get a shout-out to my friend Vic? And he's like, yeah, okay. And he's like, can I get a shout-out to my friend uh, Kevin Smith or Kevin Saint? And he's like, Kevin Saint? Oh, man, if my only my name was Kevin Saint, I'd, I'd have done more different, you know, I'd have gone <laughs> on and done way better things in life. Instead, I'm Kevin Smith, and I did mall rats, and, and that's kind of <laughs> basically the the gist of the of the the shadow but it was actually really fucking that's cool that's really cool i treasure uh, that for sure i do and and patrick is is a, is a stand up dude and he used to edit all of my episodes of cooking and complicated when i was doing that and he's a good dude little stalkery little creepy well, but you know it's there's it plenty, works for him there's plenty of famous people that i would definitely like to meet even just to say hey man i really like your work had a huge effect on me I've always looked up to it. It's always been. I wish I could have had that conversation with him. You know, and just it's true. Like, it's hard. I mean, it's hard because like you want to respect their time, and you know that like they get fond over a lot. But you do really want to be like, man, it it's meant a lot to me. I spent dozens of hours enjoying what your work, and like, thank you. You know, but really, just gotta be like, can I get a picture? Thanks, Mike. Oh, I found it. You found it. I found it. Hold on a second. 
That is me, Kevin Smith. Oh, there we sometimes. go. Can we start again? I'm sorry. Hey, Sweet. It's me, man, Kevin Smith. Sometimes, uh, Silent Bob, I just wanted to say hello. Who else? Um, Kevin Sandberg. Can you call Vic a biatch for me? Vic, you're a biatch. Who's <laughs> Thank you. Guy? Kevin Smith. Oh, Kevin Smith. Sorry, Kevin Singh. Kevin Singh. Kevin Singh. Kevin Singh. I wish my name was Kevin Sane. If I had a name like Kevin Sane, I would have won an Academy Award by now. Stuck with Kevin Smith, all I have is ball What a 2017. What a sweet man. Just <laughs> He's a sweetheart. He really is. And so, uh, yeah, that's cool. Okay, so a uh, little fun sound bite there. Um, but, yeah, so Kevin Smith has been pretty instrumental in my life. Uh, I... I my little stint into short filmmaking and and i still might end up again this year back in the battle of, of short film uh i may make something uh, holy shit yeah and one of my favorite podcast hosts actually chris hardwick we talk about him a little bit mm-hmm. uh he's the one who does the after shows the talking dead and all mm-hmm. that shit um but he's also a stand-up comedian he also does a podcast he he, t- he created the group nerdist mm. uh, him and will wheaton actually yeah, were yeah, roommates the nerdist, yeah. at one point and so they created the Nerdist, and and then it went on to become what they call the ID10T podcast. Yeah. And so I, that's the one of the only podcasts that I listen to with any kind of regularity. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of crazy. I've listened to over 150 episodes of his podcast. Uh, it's very well done. I love it, Chris Hardwick. I don't know why you would ever hear this, but I fucking love you, man. <laughs> uh, but he's always encouraging people to go out and and make a thing. And in fact, that's one of the things that drove me to make this podcast. But also, it's kind of what's pushing me in the direction of doing the short film and everything too. Because I came up with this short film idea years and years and years ago, mm-hmm. and I just haven't done anything what with you, it. What's it about? If you don't mind me asking, uh, is it enough? Is it? It's not like secret or anything. There's a, it's a brief. Uh, it's a kind of a retelling of the genie story, the three wishes. Cool. Um, and so, I'm, I mean, I won't get into too much into what it's about in particular, but uh, it's kind of girl finds implement of magic and blah, blah, blah. Neat. Uh, so uh, I don't have exactly put a name to it or anything yet. Uh, that's kind of in the motion right now, and I'm writing a script treatment for it right now. and. It always seems like the name ends up not mattering when you're done with it. Yeah. Because like, I remember I was just watching that uh, the movies that made us on Netflix. Okay. And it was like about the creation of Die Hard. And by the time the guy that wrote Die Hard had finished it, he was like, I don't care what's it called. I don't, I don't care. Just put it just as long as my shit gets made, we're good. Right. And Die Hard was originally supposed to be a... a uh, a vehicle for Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra had first pass at that movie. Right. So because the character had come from a book previously written uh, and a, a predecessor to that book was something that he had made into a movie. So yeah. He got first pass and, of course, passed at it. So. Yeah, but then he was far too old. To play the John McClane type. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, um, kind of in the vein of Chris Hardwick, I'm kind of he's always encouraging people to make a thing. And so. That's my that's my kind of my motto for 2020 is I'm gonna make all the things that I can make. Very cool. I might do a resurgence on the cooking shit. Who knows? Yeah. I might do. I'm gonna do the independent film. I'm gonna do record a CD with my band. Uh, well, like the best YouTube cooking video I've ever seen was just this woman f- rolling up pot stickers or egg rolls, mm-hmm. um, and it had like 30 views, and it was extremely well made, and it was very informative, and it was only like four minutes long, and it was just a little slice of perfect. <laughs> And I felt really nice about being able to leave a comment and her actually seeing it. 
Because like when you're a small scale creator, each view matters. Matters. But once you're like have a hundred thousand viewers, fuck that one dude. You know <laughs> what I mean? He doesn't care if you don't like his episode or not, or if he likes your episode or not. But like when it's just that one lady, I was like commented, I was like, hey, you know, this is a great video. I really appreciate you taking the time to make it. It helped me out a lot. And she commented back like, thank you, it made my day. And she's like, you know what? That made my day. <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. It's good. I, I really endorse and re, uh, approve and respect you trying to make more. That's really cool. Well, I plan on having an IMDb page by the end of 2020. Cool. How's that? I'm gonna le- I'm gonna comment on it that that you're not as cool in real life as you are. In the movies. Yeah, he <laughs> like, looks like fucking I Seth Rogen. I tried to get this guy's autograph at McDonald's, and he was a real dick. <laughs> Wouldn't even pay for my chicken nuggets. <laughs> Fuck this movie. <laughs> Fuck him and everyone like him. Right. But no, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm very encouraged to keep doing my thing, and I'm going to find a way to grow this podcast, by God damn it, I'm going to fucking find a way. Yeah, and uh, I mean, gonna, it's a real thick forest, but we're a real pretty tree. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I, I it's just, it's going to be the year for making stuff, and, and Kevin Smith is definitely one of my idols. He makes the things that he wants to make yep. uh, within with, his limitations, obviously. With the people obviously. that he wants to make it with. With the people he wants to make it like, and that's what I'm going to do this year, too. Yeah, always been his friends. It's really cool to see. I make this podcast with my friends because I like having these conversations with my friends. For sure. I'm going to make the independent film. I'm going to make that with friends as well because I like working with the people I know. And it's so much easier than when you were don't going to school for it, you know? Because mm-hmm. like now you actually can record on a cell phone. You can. And yeah. it would look... I mean, if you color tone it and everything, it would look decent. Patrick won't let me. Patrick well, rents real equipment. That's fine. I'm just letting you know. I've seen stuff made on iPhones that look professional and I had no idea. One of my favorite channels on YouTube records entirely on iPhone. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the Goon Squad. Have you seen those? No. But, I mean, I, I've, ha- I've watched tons and tons and tons of stuff that's recorded on phones and you don't you have no idea yeah they fucking they buy wrecked cars and they just repair the cars in the garage they're creating their own garage and they rebuild lamborghinis and ferraris and fucking they just did a started a new one today where they're rebuilding a jeep gladiator a 2020 jeep uh, gladiator that got wrecked interesting so i mean it's fun and it's wholesome it's real wholesome these down-to-earth kids yeah but uh and they record all on iphone so but uh, Patrick is, of course, being Patrick. He's going to rent equipment. We're going to rent equipment. I guess it's a we thing now. Twenty twenty is paying for it. It's going to really? be the return of Media Circus Films. Cool. Which was the name of my film company in in Media college. Circus Films. Media That's Circus Films. It was either I had two. I had Media Circus Films, and then I had a company called Half Ass Productions, uh, which was just a joke. Uh, coming off of a bender one night going, uh, we're going to call it Half-Ass Productions. That way, if anyone has shit to say, it's like, hey, here comes another Half-Ass Production, you know? So. Yeah, I had a friend that made a drifting video, and he called it Running Projects, which uh, I thought was really on the nose and really, really... I always wanted to name... I've been in music uh, for the last uh, 12, 13 years. I always wanted to name a band uh, TBA. To be announced? Yeah. That'd and so funny. just just Featuring for the TBA. one yeah. solid joke of TBA, band TBA. It's like, oh, we're playing here, we're playing here. Right? It's you like, could just show up with your with your fucking truck. Hey, I thought we were on like, the fucking We are bill. TBA. <laughs> Didn't you see this billing? Says my name right here. One fucking dad joke. Do you not see this drum kit skin? <laughs> Says TBA right on the head. Have it stand for something completely asinine. It's something to do with churches. I don't know why I went there. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it, uh, it, using Kevin Smith as kind of my my uh, mentor and 
Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino before. I'm I'm just gonna make a thing. They are good molds to model yourself after. Self-made. Yeah, they're very self-made. Made a good product. The product spoke for itself, and then they've been able to not coast off it since, but they've been able to keep true to their style mm-hmm. and be who they want to be and keep on doing it this whole time. Yeah. So with the exception of Cop Out. With the exception of Cop Out. I, don't, I was going to say, I don't think Tarantino's really diverged or deviated from his model at all. No, I Foot think... fetishism and, and dialogue. He's, he's really been able to write his own checks in making movies. Like, yeah, obviously he's got input and in producers and stuff like that, and he does have to answer to a studio, kind of. But at the same time, he can tell, you know, Disney to fuck off, and he can not edit his movies for China. And, you know, it'll be interesting. It's interesting to see movie. where his career is going to go in the post Harvey Weinstein uh, era of Hollywood. Cause a lot of his earlier movies were Weinstein approved and Weinstein company. And he's always been really weird. I hope nothing comes out about him being a creeper, but you're right. He has had a lot of creative freedom by a company that let people be creative. There was a little bit of creepiness between him and Uma Thurman at one point. That's what I'm saying. He's really, he's a weird dude, but like, I think they patched it up. I think, Hopefully, because well, he almost killed her. In yeah, with a stunt from with the, with the Kill Bill stunt. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he used to call her his motivation, his inspiration, his muse, and and so Which hopefully, is real creepy. A little, he was a little creepy with her, but hopefully, uh, their relationship's patched up enough because he's been talking doing Kill Bill three finally. So hopefully that'll be in the works. And I didn't know there was any room, any gas left in that vehicle to make a third one. If you look at the original, uh, when he had her kill, uh, not Black Mamba, what was her name? Cottonmouth? I don't know. The Vivica Fox character? I think it was Vivica Fox. I don't remember. Shit. But uh, her young daughter was standing there yeah. and saw her kill her mom. Yeah. And, and she kind of kneels down to her and goes, hey, when the time is right and if you still feel shitty about this, you can find me. Yeah. And so that's kind of always been on the back burner as, as a potential. Oh, but he hasn't really gone back to the well with his movies all that often. No, he um, doesn't. He really likes to keep he, it fresh. He's kind of tapered off into this revisionist history kind of thing with Django. and Which is pretty uh, cool, though. Glorious Bastards and then now with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right, and Hateful Eight was a bit of a... Oh, Hateful Eight was so fucking that, gory as fuck. That one I actually really liked more than most of his movies because I'm not a big Quentin Tarantino fan. Oh, I am. Absolutely, um, I am. Just because I like, find a lot of his stuff is like just self-servicing to him like a lot of slow dolly shots it's like god damn it cut already <laughs> <laughs> especially with hateful eight he just went full yeah, fucking well, I, w- I watched that uh four hour cut on netflix oh yeah and i drank every second of it and i was like okay i get it now and you really yeah, do that, that slow dolly pan really 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 builds up that tension me and lee uh we actually go and see all of his movies in the theater when they come out yeah it's like a standing mandate anytime there's a quentin tarantino movie we go and see it yeah and uh, so we went up to Seattle and saw uh, Hateful Eight in uh, a Cinnabar 70 millimeter release uh, of that. And it was great. Yeah. It was fantastic, except for the loud popcorn eater sitting next to me. I always end up next to those guys. Yeah. There's not many things that I go to see in a theater anymore, but his movies are very worth it. His movies, Marvel movies, those are kind of the DC movies I'll go and see. Anything and that takes place in space, I'll probably go see. Guardians theaters. of the Galaxy 3 coming out soon. Really? A few years. Relatively soon. Yeah. In, in soon in Marvel terms. time. Well, 
in most movie terms, soon means it's getting canceled and never made. No, don't say that. You know how it goes. They just canceled the uh, the Ghost Rider television show that they were going to do with Gabriel Luna. I didn't know that was a thing, but it probably, it's probably he was, good. They were spinning it off to Disney+. Plus. Uh, they had the character from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they actually, he was cast pretty well. Huh. Uh, the young Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes. And so they had the character built in. They were ready to go. And apparently they just shut down production. Yeah. I don't think that one's too big of a loss. <laughs> um, only because it like set him up for doing it better. Because like the both Iron Man movies, I'm not Iron Man. Both Ghost Rider movies are really bad, trash, horrible. Um, but so them taking more time to do a proper job or just outright canceling it instead of doing a half-ass job. Good, I think good pass in my book. The next year is going to be really telling for Disney, yeah. as far as because they're really ambitious with this new slate of what they want to do. Not necessarily in the movie theaters, which they've already done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But they're really ambitious with what they want to pull off on the small screen mm-hmm. uh, with shows like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye. Well, it's really unique uh, because what if? they're in a fortunate position that they don't have to please their their shareholders. Mm-hmm. Their revenue off of their products makes them their money. So yeah. like Amazon doesn't make money selling shit. Amazon has money because of stockholders because their stock is like $750 a share. Disney makes money because people buy their tickets. So like they can hold out, they can like take a year off, not really like put out a 10 blockbuster movie because they had 4 billion dollar movies this year. The Infinity year. Wars, they the Black Panthers, the Star bit. Wars, they've pat that's padded their pockets enough right. where they can Yeah, they can kind of tool they around. They paid for their purchase of Fox. Yeah, and they can pay too much money for actors and small shows. They can have a WandaVision paying these two actors way too much goddamn money to be in a regular television oh, show. Loki too. Right. A ton of money getting thrown at these like four or five five stars from the movies, and it, to them it's worth it. Yeah, and it's great because you'll get better product because they can afford to do it. They're yeah. like Nintendo. You don't get a Mario game that often, or you don't get a Link Zelda game that often. But when you do, Top oh boy, notch. it was worth it. Worth waiting five years. I'm looking forward to Breath of the Wild too. So I'm saying it's yeah. worth the wait. So yeah, we've kind of deviated all over the board. Yeah, which how long we, is this? Up? We usually do. I don't know. Fucking however long it's going to be. We really climbed up those minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot, but yeah. that's fine. Again, it's it's easy to lose track of time when you're talking about things you love. So. Well, and the best episodes are the ones with me in them. Well, yeah. So that I've actually the had longer people they tell are. Me that. I really like my. <laughs> can't even finish saying it i really like the sound of my own voice i don't and i think not your voice i don't like my voice no i like the sound of your voice i think it's like (laughs) nobody likes their own brand i think no isn't the opposite everybody loves their own brand that's with farts right isn't that what we're talking about (laughs) our voices are like farts oh jesus no but i don't know i really like because uh, when we recorded the the Star Wars the well that year end wrap up one, I listened to that whole episode. I, I listened to them all, but I wanted to hear me say that fucking pod racing joke at the end, where I was like, "Does it have pod racing in it?" No, oh and it's fuck fucking, dude, garbage. fucking garbage. Yeah, Danny came out after we'd done recording that. Like, what the fuck were you guys yelling about? <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, that was just your brother getting was, amped up about pod I was, racing." I was waiting like an hour to make that joke. <laughs> we actually watched Phantom Menace again the other night, dude. It's I, it holds up. It doesn't, but it's really good at the same time. I it's, mean, it's it's a movie about trades and taxes, and it doesn't really set up your but like your I main said, character. Like I said, you gotta find what you love about it. And again, yeah. the pod racing scene, yeah, and then Coruscant, the fucking, 
the going the through face. The, the core of a planet because it's made out of water. Hmm. That's it's stupid, but it's awesome. <laughs> the bigger fish is always there. Bullshit was so fucking dumb, but it's also really cool because you see this huge fucking fish. Imagine a crossover type of character like Liam Neeson being badass as Qui Gon oh, Jinn, but like cross him with Qui-Gon's like Taken. Daughter? Yeah. You took my Anakin. I have a certain particular <laughs> set of skills. Give Jedi me, skills. Give me my Annie. Oh my God. I would I would watch a Qui-Gon Jinn movie if it was like taken. Dude, I would watch Hayden Christensen butter toast. <laughs> I don't think he does movies really anymore. He did. Nah, I think he, I mean, because he doesn't need to financially. You no, know. Star Wars set him up. Yeah, so I think he just does little pet projects that he wants to slide into. I feel like he's got a real complex about being like this huge famous actor and only really being in one movie. Well, yeah, and you saw what uh, popularity and fame did to Jake Lloyd. Right. Broke his brain. Broke him. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Furlong, too. Holy shit. Eddie Furlong, who played the kid from uh, Terminator. Oh, yeah. He's weird, real broke. Broken. Macaulay Culkin, even to a degree, is kind of broken. Dude, Corey in the house. The black kid that played Corey in Corey in the house, and that's so Raven. Booker, or whatever his name is. I don't know his name, but he's a pedophile now. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. He was like trying to recruit girls to come live at the in his house so oh. he could get him on T V shows on Nick on Disney or whatever. What the R. Kelly bullshit is that? Dude, uh you know what? I I don't want to get into the whole pedophile podcast because there's so many famous people that over the last year I've like looked up. I was like, Oh, I didn't see this movie. I wanted to see, you know, wonder what that dude's up to now. Apparently the answer is diddling kids. Oh no. I know. Let's undo this last five minutes of this podcast. Oh well see, I get real bent about that too, is cause Fucking actors I love. Kevin Spacey. I love oh, him as man. an actor, but he is such a shitty person. I know. Did you know that like two like at least two of his accusers have died since? I've seen. And he keeps releasing those fucking creepy as shit Frank Underwood videos. Yeah. Have you seen did you see yeah. the last one? Kill him with kindness? Yeah. He's super creepy. Like, what are you trying to prove here, buddy? Just let your career go. Cause like there's a ton of famous people who just get old and realize that they like have they're irrelevant. Well, not that, not even that they're irrelevant, but they don't just want to embarrass embarrass themselves. Like, when's the last time you saw Sean Connery in a movie? He embarrassed himself. He, people found out that he was a woman abuser. Yeah, and he's well, he's just, and he's just ancient. He doesn't want to, you know, do that to himself. And he doesn't have to. Yeah, he, he can just slip into old age obscurity. Obscurity. Pay your pay your maid to go get your groceries for you and die in peace. Kevin Spacey, take mm-hmm. notes. Please, die in Kevin peace. Spacey. Jesus Christ. Which, again, I, it's hard to separate the art from the artist. There's, there's movies know. that I will always love that and he was in. Especially an actor who's really just a vehicle for someone else's work, for the most part. Like not, Kevin Spacey. Not the most part. It, he's just, he's a mouthpiece for somebody else's writing. Right, and, and like American History, or American Beauty, and fucking uh, Usual Suspects, and mm-hmm. uh, even in uh, his take on uh, Frank Underwood for House of Cards. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic actor. I really think he loses himself into the roles yeah he's he's really good at what he does he is but then this shit comes out about him and it makes those movies that i've treasured for years yep almost impossible to watch yep and that sucks when like baby driver came out baby driver was incredible after all this like like right after stopped filming shit hits the fan movie comes out very poor reception like I enjoyed Baby budget, Driver. Like I mean, not I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Not that many people went to see it, even revenue-wise. Revenue-wise, wasn't a big hit. 
critically acclaimed. But yeah, I mean, it sucks to be like. Did you see it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was real good. And not even for Kevin Spacey, but for that kid that played in it. Uh, I forget his name. Yeah, I don't know his name either. But he was really good. But I mean, and the, Jamie Fox. Yeah, the Jamie Fox was. <laughs> Jamie what's Fox his goddamn name great. again? Just Jamie Fox. No, but um, I don't know. It's just it's hard. It sucks when you have somebody who you really look up to turn to crap which is why we're, i guess we're so grateful for B- kevin smith being an awesome dude in person yeah off, off super the screen, cool super uh, as cool as you w- could ever wish him to be got a handshake from the guy got to to wish him well and yeah it was and all super I polite wanted. yeah i mean fucking patrick in his face making him s- three shout outs <laughs> three shout outs you wouldn't be lucky to get a shout out for, for one shout out not even a thank you to, the, not even a hello to you in person, but for him to say hello, then shout out your three random homies over the cell phone. That was pretty great. Super cool dude. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin Smith, if you're ever listening. You're yeah, the best. seriously. I don't know why you would ever listen to this podcast, Kev. I, I, I wouldn't blame you. But uh, it was really nice to meet you in person. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool that uh, you took the time to, to shake hands and, and sign things and take pictures with everybody and uh-huh. that's something that i will kind of treasure for always oh yeah i'm going to try and, and follow in your footsteps and, and just kind of make things and, and be my own person and yeah. take charge of my life that way so yeah. and take care of the family and friends around you like he does really he's i'm not going to go vegan though no those I like chicken nuggets are fucking te- chicken <laughs> not nuggets. chicken with a u chicky nuggies chicken nuggets are not good no the vegan ones no, no I did. I was vegan for a couple months. Why? I mean, there's there's a lot of. That oh, was Kristen. Um, there's yeah. a lot of good stuff, but overall, it's not very good. I've also got friends who have raised their kids vegan, and their kids look like they're on goddamn death's door. Oh Jesus! I know they're like super anemic, and like you can see through their skin. I'm always reminded of that Futurama joke. You ever watch Futurama? Oh, all the time. Where there was <laughs> these these group of hippies who had raised a lion to be vegan, <laughs> and they're like, "And this lion, he's, he's just, never had meat either. He's completely vegan, and he's just fine." Yeah. And the lion lets out this little, <laughs> yeah, he's skin and bones, and coughs up not even a hairball, just an airball, hairball. <laughs> Like obviously not a healthy lion. Yeah, super funny. But uh, anyway, so well, we've kind of rambled on at length at this point. But uh, again, these podcasts have no rhyme. We have no reason. We just kind of talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about and mm-hmm. kind of tie it back to a point if we can. Uh, and in this particular case, the point is uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, the, your your catalog we've enjoyed this entire time. Yep. Uh, we are glad you're still alive, making and yep. doing what you want to do. Yep. Um, I welcome our future robot overlords. Uh, as long as we can still watch Kevin Smith movies. Yep. As long as they get through the the V filter or whatever it would be. But yeah, just do take a page out of uh, Kevin Smith's book. Make what you want to make with the people you want to make it with. And yeah. that's really all that will matter and you'll be happy in the end. Yeah. Whether or not it's a commercial success is irrelevant once you're doing it with the people you like. So yeah. that's why I'm still a musician. Certainly not in it for the money. Right. It's same reason doing the podcast, just because we enjoy it. Yeah. Well, anyways, on that note, I want to thank you guys for coming back again. Uh, the Feel Your Fandom Podcast, Season 2. Uh, again, if you want to find us, you can find us on anchor.fm forward slash Fandom. You can reach us on Anchor. You can reach us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fandom, And you can also find us on Spotify now. Uh, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a good chance you can find us. If you want to look for the list, that's on our Facebook page. Uh, in addition... Uh, if you want to go uh, to Anchor FM and sign up for uh, 
liking the podcast. They'll allow you to leave messages for us. If you leave a message, we'll get it. We'll listen to it. We'll uh, comment on it and be a part of the show. Yeah, and I would uh, love to do some kind of like listener submitted. Yeah. Uh, just do yeah. you, do you need advice about fan stuff? Because I like telling people how to live their lives with <laughs> reckless <laughs> abandon. <laughs> I would absolutely love to do something like that. Yeah, let's ruin someone's life with bad advice. Absolutely. And uh, uh, you can send us an email at feelyourfandom at gmail.com. Otherwise, I want to thank you for coming back and listening again. Uh, Thank you, Thomas, for for joining me once again. Thanks for having me. It's always the best part of my hour. Just kidding. (laughs) I think it's almost two at this point. No, I I love coming over. It's it's real fun. (laughs) Yeah, and the kids enjoy seeing you, so. Yeah. Uh, it's always a good excuse to hang out. But uh, uh, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, and again, as I always try to remind everybody, uh, everything is fandom, and fandom is everything. Take care.